What's going on, everybody? Today's episode, the Go Figure Podcast. Ty's got it up. It's looking sharp. Nice work, Ty. Thank you. Today's episode, my friends, uh, we've got some fascinating, fascinating topics for you. The first one, and this just happened November 30th, really just a little bit over a week ago. And this is about this crazy transcendent app. And apparently OpenAI, which is this organization, actually it was uh, kind of co-founded by Elon Musk. I, I just barely found out about that. And OpenAI has created this chat GPT, which is basically this AI app. You can ask questions. You can say, hey, AI, I got to do this uh, this writing assignment. And instead of, instead of paying someone $80 like Jillian had to to get a great uh, article out, you know, now you can just ask the, the uh, chat thing and it'll just create an article for you or, you know, all these different things, uh, codes. Uh, it'll create a video game. Like, it is pretty amazing. Right now, it's free access. We're going to talk about this, if this is a game-changing AI app, uh, should we be scared about it? Like, what does this mean for the future? Is AI going to take over everything? Or are all these people who have these uh, manual labor type jobs going to lose them? Are even professors going to be made irrelevant? It's going to be very, very fascinating. We're going to also talk a little bit about the money, money, money. Americans don't seem interested in saving money right now, despite a looming recession. That's the money segment. What's next time? Yeah, from there, we're going to dive into uh, week 14 in the NFL. Uh, talk about some key matchups, maybe some good betting opportunities, and then we're going to redraft the 2020 quarterback draft there because oh, it was a, was a loaded draft. That was a loaded draft. And uh, we've had uh, some great comments from everybody about the sports section, so we're going to definitely look to uh, respond to those comments and uh, keep on you know, uh, assessing the most important vital things, especially our, our top five NFL uh, team segment on Tuesday. That one was getting uh, thousands of views in the My Figures channel, so it was kind of cool. Appreciate you guys' engagement. And as we're doing this live or even afterwards, you know, post those comments, and we will respond to them with more comments, more questions. And if you have topics, ideas for an episode, let us know so that we can tackle those for you. And another interesting topic, I'm not even sure this is completely political, but it seemed like the best uh, part to put in it, but Caitlyn Jenner is telling Elon Musk he is public enemy number one to some very, very bad people, and she is very worried about his safety. So that sounds like an important topic to me. Scary. Yeah. And then, yeah, from there, we're going to get into our family piece, our family section. We're going to talk about the, uh, the four hard parenting rules that make the biggest difference. That's going to be good because obviously with this uh, podcast, we're out there trying to help you know, business owners get their money right, and especially business owners that are parents. You know, if you're a dad or mom and you're trying to help, uh, you know, your family, your business, there are certain things that you can teach your kids because we all want to have successful kids, competent kids. You know, in today's world, it's very easy to uh, be a helicopter parent and try to, oh, I don't want Junior to go through these difficult things. I better remove all these uh, obstacles. And according to this article, that's probably not what you want to do. And our last one is our freedom segment. This comes from our man, Tony Robbins. This is the complete guide to financial freedom, according to Tony Robbins. So thought it would be interesting to get his take on financial freedom and what it means. Welcome to the Go Figure podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. All right, well, let's jump into topic number one. This is a trending topic, literally just happened about a week ago. And this, uh, there's articles on it everywhere. The particular one we were looking at is a Forbes article. Here's what to know about OpenAI's uh, chat GPT, what it's disrupting, and how you can actually use it. So OpenAI released chat GPT, its prototype AI chatbot that has gained a lot of traction among the public for its human-like detailed answers 
to inquiries like drafting a contract between an artist and producer. So it's like, hey, we need to create this contract. And if you've ever, you know, you and I have had to build out some contracts, oh, it's an enormous pain in the butt. Putting those together, making sure it's legal, you know, based on the state that you live in and that can kind of work in all 50 states and that you cover your basis. So it can actually create a contract for you. Well, what else can it do? It apparently is going to revolutionize the way people use search engines because instead of, you know, you search and you get Google's top 10, you know, results, it's going to be much more powerful, much more direct in answering your questions uh, instead of a Google search result. Uh, Some people um, are saying it's going to be very effective that way. And then according to CEO Sam Altman, and again, this this was started by a a kind of a startup tech company called OpenAI. Sam Altman is the CEO of it. Elon Musk is a chairman investor. uh, So he's very much involved in it. And apparently the software has reached 1 million users. And this was as of Monday. And this thing came out on November 30th, which would have been, was that Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah, it was the last Monday. So literally like in four or five days, it went from zero to a million users like that. So I guess that's proof if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, you're trying to create something. If you do a great job creating something really useful, you can legitimately get a lot of users very quickly. Of course, some connections and strategic partnerships always help that, but just really fascinating. It can eliminate hours of research. And um, so so we've got a, a coder, a really cool tech guy, Brock. He helps us build the, uh, the MyFigures.com money app and our uh, seven figures funding partner portal. And, and this guy's a genius, right? And so he knows how to code and put all this stuff together. So I was uh, asking him about it. You know, you and I were chatting with him on Slack and he's like, oh yeah, it's legit. He's already asked for, hey, you know, chatbot, how do I create this type of code for this type of situation? And it's literally giving him coding answers. He's implementing those into our app and it's free of charge right now, which is even crazier. So let's see what else can do. It can write product copy. It can help you describe locations you've never visited. It can help you write code and fix code like I was just talking about. It can help you give answers like take uh, 20 million, you know, just a little bit more effective than a regular uh, search engine search. And it can help you learn how to make a million dollars. So that's what's funny. So I asked it, yeah, I said, Brock, ask the app, you know, how do you gain financial independence? And uh, it came up with a pretty remarkable response. Uh, if you want to pull that up, John, and show everybody, it's just right there on the Google document. But pretty amazing stuff. Like, so what, what are you thinking as uh, you hear about this? Like, this thing really can, it could replace professors. It could replace doctors and attorneys. It could do all these different things. And so a lot of people are worried, oh, no, people are going to, you know, be uh, replaced by this AI in the future? What happens if it gets too powerful? A lot of questions. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts that that come to mind when I I learn more about this and read more about this, because initially I'm like, well, this was already out there. It's called cha-cha. You text cha-cha and you get answers to any question, but it, you know, it's obviously way, way, way more elaborate than that. I, I haven't, because I'm just on the wait list, I didn't, I wasn't able to get right in. I wonder if you ask the exact same questions, if you're constantly getting the same answers, because that's pretty easy from a university standpoint. If everyone's writing the exact same things, then, you know, you'll know where it came from. You got something, John? So it actually says it on the Forbes articles. Um, If you pull it up, it says the program has its limitations, including a knowledge base that ends in 2021, a tendency to produce incorrect answers, constantly using the same phrases. So you may get very similar answers. Um, the data ends in 2021. So if there's new stuff in the last year, which there always is, I mean, my gosh, our world changes this quickly. Day to day, week to week, things change quickly. So it has some limitations, but based on everything I've ever seen before on AI, it seems like it's definitely a big step up from previous AI versions. Oh, yeah, it's it's super impressive, and Google's just getting so bogged down with ads yes. and fake reviews, and it's just become this yeah. money-making machine. It's drifted so far from what it was meant to be, and it's great to see something like this come in and, and really give people what they need, the ability to get quick answers, the ability to be... I think it, we're shifting to a, a society that we need to learn how to become resourceful. We don't need to learn how to memorize specific 
algorithms and codes and this and that. We need to learn how to be resourceful, and that's what this is allowing us no to question, do. No question, no question. When when I was younger, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, going to high school, like, if you could memorize things, you were super um, impressive, and people, wow, you've got a great memory. And and now, well, we, we all have this thing, you know, right here in our hands that has the answers. Google has those answers for a lot of us. Um, this is going to help you get quicker, maybe more effective answers, but now it's your ability to think and and go through and make the right decisions and assess the information out there because sometimes the information's BS and so you have to be able to you know cut through that crap and get to the stuff that's actually accurate. So here's here's what's interesting. So I said, Brock, ask it because you know you and I were trying to get we're both on the wait list. But Brock, our, our coder guy, has been using it. He's been implementing code. And I said, Brock, ask it, you know, how do I gain financial independence? And uh, here is what the app said. It said, becoming financially free is a process. Very true. It's not an event. And it requires careful planning and discipline, saving and investing. Here are some steps you can take to become financially free. And obviously, a lot of people have these questions, and, and we talk about this oftentimes in this episode, but listen to the response. It says, create a budget. The first step to becoming financially free is to understand where your money's going. Obviously, that's why we got the MyFigures.com money app so that you can you know track that. And you and I were going through our spending, and it's crazy where you see exactly dollar for dollar what you're spending as a business owner, what you're spending personally. So that's step one. Step two, it says pay off. Your high interest, you know, debts that are that are that are costing you, especially personally, right? If you if you have high interest debts, but you're making two hundred percent on that money as a business owner, you're going to pay it off eventually. Well, that's less of a problem versus hey, I'm a consumer and I just maxed out my cards to go on vacation, to buy clothes, to get a huge big screen TV, to you know all this stuff that does not necessarily make you money. So that's that's good advice. And then it says, okay, once you've got your bad debts paid off. Now it's time to save money and invest that money because, as Warren Buffett says, if you don't learn how to make your money work for you, you're going to work for your money the rest of your life. And we'd all prefer to have our money working for us. And then it says, build multiple streams of income. Financial freedom is often associated with having multiple sources of income. Consider ways to generate passive income, such as investing in rental properties, just exactly what we talked about on Tuesday, or starting a side hustle business. This can help you to diversify your income and reduce your your dependence on a single source of income. That's very true, right? If you're building you know, financial independence, it's not just you have your job income, you have other types of income that are coming in. Same thing as a business owner. Yeah, you, you have your business income, but your business income should also be moving into other assets, real estate, etc., that are making you money. And then remember that becoming financial free is a journey, not a destination. It may take time and effort. So it's like, hey, you better be patient. You better delay your gratification. What do you think? I mean, what do you think about that answer? I love that answer. I, I think it's very concise to the point. It's exactly what we preach, exactly what we talk yeah. about, right? First and foremost, figure out where you stand, take care of your high interest debt, save and invest and build the multiple streams of income. I just thinking back on, on my journey through this financial freedom thing, I remember always hearing a, a lot of the mentors I like to follow, a grandfather that was very financially free, always saying multiple streams of income, multiple streams of income. And I always knew I had to do it, but it was like, what do I do? Where do I even start? I'm working yeah. nine to five and then I'm exhausted. I don't have any time or energy or extra money to go do this. And I think the biggest thing right there is if you're at that point where you're ready to build multiple streams of income, it's finding the right community. It's finding the right mentor. It's getting into the right masterminds that will help you realize things you never did before and help you explore new opportunities. Yeah, no question about it. Um, you know, right here, I was uh, doing our other podcast, the Seven Figures Club podcast yesterday, and we had a guest on, Jorge. And this guy was saying how he had this W-2 job. He saved up some money. And he went to this big uh, event, and it was uh, it was like a coaching event to learn how to invest in real estate. And they're like, "Hey, yeah, you know, the training package is thirty five thousand dollars." And most people, oh, this is a scam. He threw down all of his savings at thirty five thousand dollars, and literally, I think a year or two later, he had built up seven hundred thousand dollars in equity and properties, cash flow. Um, within three or four years, he was able to buy his mom a house. She never owned a property ever. And just I thought really awesome that uh, when you when you do go all in because that's the thing right you you 
you have to follow someone who has a proven roadmap for success. Uh, for us, you know, in the business funding industry, we've been doing this a long time. That's why we launched Funding CEO Academy to teach people how to build a business finance uh, business and do it from home. And, and for us to learn in real estate and business and marketing, we don't go and just try and figure these things out. You know, we, we'll spend, we spend tens of thousands of dollars going to events every year, uh, learning from the great entrepreneurs out there and following their roadmap for success. And that's it. Like you find someone who's done it, ask them for directions and they break it down for you. Exactly. I mean, even you look at our journey, Leo, I never would have got into the funding space if I didn't start my side hustle with Amazon. But when you put yourself out there, when you're where you're supposed to be, when you're grinding and doing it hard enough, you're going to find those opportunities. And then we start working together. And if it wasn't for getting into a few of those masterminds ourselves, we never would have found out about the Orlando properties. And it's yes. just putting yourself out there and never stopping the grind. You'll find those opportunities. No question, guys. So follow that pathway to success. And let's move on to our next segment, which is in the transcendent segment. That's a new one. If something is transcending everything that's going on, which this app absolutely is, then we're going to bring that to you so you know about it. So now you know about that. You guys can go uh, check that out. All you have to do is basically just Google OpenAI and chat. Uh, what is it? Chat GPT. You can get on the waiting list, and uh, I would I would think probably they're going to be doing a monthly uh, payment plan membership pretty soon because the app is extremely popular, and they're like, dang, we've got a multi-billion dollar thing on our hands, and my goodness, it might be a trillion dollar thing if it keeps on making progress. But let's jump into the money, money, money segment. Americans don't seem interested in saving money right now despite a looming uh, recession. Uh oh. Like, what's your what's your initial reaction to this? Uh, this is a an, a Business Insider article. My initial reaction is is people have just been way too comfortable with this fake economy yes. for the last two to three years. It's not realistic, but they've continued to spend and spend and spend and get they they get bailed out and bailed out and bailed out. And fact of the matter is, we're about to face our actions for the past two to three years. No question about it. It's uh, it's that lack of delayed gratification. It's the fact that most people in this country live paycheck to paycheck, and you know they start to make money, they get extra money instead of it going into you know investing in training, investing in, in education, a mentor, instead of actually investing it into a business, they spend it right, and then. And then we start to see, we talked about this a few episodes ago, the savings rate starts to disappear and people have, have cut their savings by a third. If they continue down this road in a year, the savings in this country, most people will have spent their savings. And then what happens when you have a job loss? What happens when you have a recession? What happens when everything slows down and you don't have multiple streams of income? You have one stream of income and that gets cut off. Now you're in a world of hurt because you don't have that independence. You don't have multiple streams of income and you didn't delay your gratification. And, and that can be extremely painful. And so for everybody paying attention here, you know, there are some things that you can take to kind of right the ship. And it's funny, a lot of them we were just talking about pretty much. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that path to financial freedom we just broke down, right? Um, Obviously, you're not going to get rich with a savings account. A savings account is designed to help you get through those hard times and prepare for certain situations and or prepare to invest. So I think it's just a matter of getting back to looking at the big picture, preparing for the downturns, and then coming up with a game plan of how I want to invest that money as it starts to build up. I think one of the most interesting things about this article is it says it's not all due to uh, inflation. Inflation certainly is playing a part, you know. Um, energy costs, fuel costs, food costs have gone up, but actually we're buying more and more. We're, we're still consuming more and more things. And, and it's sad because you look at it and as a government, when was the last time our government actually stuck to the budget and didn't actually spend more than they took in? Like one of the most simple concepts ever is if you make X amount of dollars every year, let's say you make uh, $75,000 a year, 
but you spend $85,000 a year, well, that's a problem, right? You continue to pile up debt and all of a sudden you have significantly more debt than your income can actually sustain and service. And that's what we've been doing as a country. And at some point, it has to be paid back. And now as a country with interest rates higher, um, now our interest payments are going to go up significantly. And that's going to have an impact not only on the U.S., but most countries have debt problems. You know what else I've noticed, too, especially with this younger generation and the way credit and um, funding has been put out there to us, you, you realize very, very quickly, I had this conversation with my wife, there's so many point of sale solution products now that it's like, oh, it's just 50 bucks a month. No big deal. So one month we're breaking this down. And I realized I had a Hulu account. I had a Disney account. I had a Netflix account. I had an HBO account. I had a Showtime account. I had a YouTube TV account on top of that. Oh, it's just a small little Peloton payment because point of sale. Oh, it's just a small little payment with a sleep number. And so because at the point of sale, it's like, 50 bucks, 40 bucks, that's no big deal. But then all of a sudden you realize all of these little no big deals and all of a sudden there's no money left over to save. And that's why having something like a My Figures to where you can actually see, oh my gosh, I do have 12 different subscriptions, but I'm really only using one of them actively. What can I do to, to break that down and figure out how I can get a little bit of a surplus to actually save? Yeah, no, no question. And so there, there's going to be a reckoning. Uh, Most economists believe it's going to happen in 2023, and it seems like every day in the news I'm seeing this more and more so-and-so's laying off. We're seeing it like Utah's had the strongest economy per capita, I think, in the country. It's been the number one or two state in the country for a long time, but we're starting to see a lot of the tech companies in Utah uh, lay people off. Like who? who, I know you were just mentioning some that uh, had been laying people off. Yeah, I know MX recently had a big layoff. I know Podium, I think yesterday announced 12% of their their staff they let go. And, you know, a lot of that comes down to, I I think you get all this VC money, you don't, you start to get reckless with it. You don't keep those core principles and key values that you had initially and it catches up to you. And we're seeing that right now. It's a good point. I mean, you think of uh, some of the crypto companies, the the FTX uh, fiasco and, and, uh, Ponzi scheme, whatever it was that happened there. All these different tech companies. I know Facebook has laid off a bunch. I know Amazon, Walmart, like all of these big, huge corporations are starting to lay people off. And at some point, these job losses are going to start to add up and they're going to be more than the job openings or more to the, than the new jobs being created. And that's what most people think is going to happen. Unemployment is going to tick up. People are going to lose more jobs. And then the solution is going to be, wow, I better start tracking my money better. I better get multiple streams of income. And I better maybe look to start a side hustle business. And that's what's great. Like something like the business finance space, all these Amazon businesses you can start. Like you can start these and work work them 24 hours a day. Let's say you only have time from, you know, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. I've built many a side hustle from 9 to 11 p.m., put the kids to bed, um, I'm sorry, honey, I can't watch this uh, this cool show with you tonight. I've got to work on getting our money right and building this side hustle business. And that's what it takes. It's going to take some additional effort and sacrifice that most people don't want to do. But if you want to get things right, you're going to have to. Yeah, exactly. And the key to that is remember, it's a, sli- it's a side hustle. It's not the end all. It's not your million dollar idea. Yes. You don't need to always come up with this new invention. It's a side hustle to help you supplement your income. And you can pay some of the bad debt off, start to save some money up. And then eventually a side hustle, something you get an idea, you can start to build a business. And I think one of the, uh, one of the disinformation, if I could use that word, not that I want to use it, but I'm going to use it. Uh, things out there is, Oh, I should just quit my job and just go all in with my side hustle business. Most people that succeed in business will build that up to a really strong area where it can start to actually earn more than their their other main source of income before they go full speed into that. And I felt like you, that's something you've done really well, right? You, you'll, you'll have like multiple things going and you'll really wait until it gets strong enough to, okay, now now is the right time to go in. And And why do you think that, like that's what it takes to succeed, but a lot of people make the mistake too early where do you think that key point is where, okay, now is really when I should go all in? Yeah, I, I think that uh, you'll find the breaking point, right? When when we were getting this thing started, I still worked a, 
a normal nine to five type job. And then I'd come do this on the side. Or I'd work those extra hours at night. And it was very clear to me when I finally realized, okay, not only am I surpassing what I'm making with my nine to five, just with this side hustle, but I enjoy it. I'm better at it. I'm, you know, it, it was something that it was very clear to me. Okay. Now it's time to fully make the shift, but I had to be willing to really, really grind for three, four months. I had to talk to my wife and let my wife know, Hey, I'm going to be really hard to talk to. I'm going to be very tired. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. But trust me, give me a few months and it's going to pay off. And and it's just a matter of being committed to do that. Dude, and you did that. You were like, like you were gone, you know, at least a couple weekends a month, traveling to events, working on doing funding for these events. Like that's the sacrifice that it takes. And once you get through it, then you want to make sure it has an upside. The problem with most jobs that we take is that we kind of run into a ceiling and there's no upside. Now, if you can work someplace where you can start becoming an entrepreneur and work on different things inside of the business that can grow, that can add additional income to your, um, you know, your personal situation, there are a lot of opportunities there. So you don't actually have to go outside of where you work. You can find opportunities and good business owners will, you know, say, yes, let's try that. Yes, let's build this up. And then you can do it without taking a lot of the risk, but still have that upside. But ultimately, I think you make a great point when you'll know the time is right when you're starting to make more. It has a much bigger upside, whereas what you're doing right now mainly does not. And then you can kind of take that next step. All right, guys, let's transition. It's time for the sports section, and we've got a lot to go over here. Um, one of the things I wanted to learn about is how in the world does like sports betting work? We definitely want to take a look at that 2020 uh, draft and, and so forth. So, you know, what does sports betting look like? How do the odds work? What are the factors? Maybe you're doing DraftKings. Like, how does this work, and and what are some of the strategies? You're an expert at this. You've been doing it a long time. I am not an expert at this, so I know a lot of the audience kind of wants to learn about this, how it works, and uh, and then of course, yeah, we got to break down uh, that uh, 2020 uh, NFL draft and kind of kind of go through that too. Yeah, the f- the first thing I will say with this, if I'm going to start talking about sports betting, is number one, when you're just getting started, don't bet with money you can't lose. Um, this is play money. This is fun money. It makes watching the game a little bit more interesting. The second thing I will say is learn the laws, the regulations in your state. If you're willing to gamble anyway, um, do some research on proxies and potential uh, .eu sites and whatnot because you can't gamble online in all 50 states. Um, that being said, if you find a way to gamble, you have a bookie, you're in a state that allows you to do that. Um, getting started with betting in the NFL, keeping it very, very simple. There's two basic bets you can make. First things first, you can just bet on, um, the spread. Now, when you look at a game, you'll notice it'll show the two teams and it will always next to one of the teams show either a negative number or a positive number. Right, so if we're looking at the the Raiders versus the Rams right here, that negative five point five is saying that they think the Rams will win by five and a half points. If you're willing to take that bet and the Rams win by five and a half points, it's called a push. You tie. If the Ra- you get your money back, but you don't win anything. If you are willing to bet that the that you think and you think the Raiders are going to win by six points. Right, so that's a that's better than five and a half. Raiders win by six points. You win the bet. Now, right there beneath the five point five, the negative five point five, you'll notice it shows minus one ten. So that's saying you've got to bet one hundred and ten dollars to win a hundred. So if I put a hundred dollars on the Raiders at minus five point five and the Raiders win by six, then I'm getting two hundred and ten dollars back because I gave them one ten. There and that was to win a hundred, so I'm getting two ten back. If I give them one ten and the Raiders win by five, or the Raiders win by four, the Raiders win by three, I lost the bet. Got it. So that's the spread. The that's a very easy way to start betting. It makes games fun to watch. Sometimes I'll even just do twenty bucks just so I'm somewhat intrigued in that game. Um, the next thing that you could do is you could just straight up bet on the uh, the money line. And the money line is just simply saying, I think this team will win. Mm-hmm. 
And if you're willing to bet underdogs, I don't see in this chart the uh, the money lines there, but where the Rams are five and a half point underdogs, if you're willing to just bet straight up that the Rams will win, typically you can get a much better payout. Like if you do a hundred dollar bet, you can get go out and win 150. So you'll get 250 back. Um, so money line, you're just straight up betting on who you think is going to win. The spread, you're saying they're going to win by X amount or only lose by X amount. Um, so those are two very easy bets. The only other bet I would talk about right now would be a parlay. John, do you want to show this uh, page to everybody real quick? Oh, you already are? He's got it out. Well okay. done, John. Well done. Perfect. So so help me out here with the uh, Jets bills. So it says uh, negative 9.5 and negative 10 based on whether you're looking at FanDuel or uh, Bat Rivers, Caesar Sportsbook, etc. So they're saying that the bills are 9.5 point favorites uh, to beat the Jets. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. And that, that, correct. And that makes sense, right? Because uh, the Bills have been on a tear. They're doing well. The Jets just had a tough loss. And, um, you know, they're still kind of – they've made a lot of progress. Uh, and then we Browns, Bengals, Bengals are on fire. But because these are divisional uh, games, it looks like the Bengals are only favored uh, to win here by four and a half points. So if I were a betting man – Right, I would look at that, and I've been watching Joe Burrow and, and Cincinnati. I think they're going to kick the Browns' butts and win by 10-plus points. So I could bet saying, hey, they're going to beat the spread, and what? And if you're against those odds, you, you could make more. Is that right? Um, it, it depends. I mean, yeah, you can yeah. get in there and do props. And ultimately what this is saying at minus 4.5, if you bet Cincinnati at minus 4.5, you're betting $110 to win 100 So your payout would be, mm-hmm. if you gave them 100 you'd get um, 210 essentially, at, at minus okay. four and a half. But okay. what I love doing, okay. Leo, because the NFL is so competitive, yes, right? It's not like college. It's very, very rare you get these 30-point blowouts. There's more parity for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So in betting, there's what's called a teaser. And you can get six-point teasers, seven-point teasers, eight-point uh-huh. teasers. But a teaser... What's that? What that's doing is you have to pick a minimum of at least two games. Sometimes okay. they'll require three. Okay. But what it'll do is if it's a six-point teaser, instead of Cincinnati being minus 4.5, they're now plus 2.5. So Cincinnati can lose by two, and you still hit that bet. But both uh-huh. of your bets have to hit. So if you wanted to do a teaser and you wanted to pick Cincinnati and Minnesota at minus one, you're going to get Minnesota at plus five, and Cincinnati at plus two and a half. And as long as both of those hit, you can get that even money payout. Oh, interesting. So let's so let's talk theoretically, and this is theoretical, guys. We're not making any recommendations here. This is just a theoretical, hypothetical example. So based on this week and the odds that you're seeing, um, what's, an, what's an example of something that hypothetically you might do? So one of the bets I already actually have is a teaser. That's why I use that example right there. I have a six-point teaser, and I've picked Cincinnati, Minnesota, and Philadelphia to cover because essentially it's saying Philly just has to win. Uh, Cincinnati has to win. Well, they can lose by two, and Minnesota can lose by five, and you still hit that bet. So that's that's one that I feel really strongly about there. I like those odds. I know the Lions have been playing well, but I would still expect the Vikings to win, or if the Lions did, it would be by a small amount. Same thing with Cincinnati. Would definitely expect them to win, and if they did lose, it would be by such a. It would be like a last-second field goal type situation. And then, uh, what was the third one you were saying? The Eagles. So we've got Eagles, Vikings, and, and the Eagles. And the Eagles, Giants. The Giants have been on a losing streak, and yeah. the Eagles are just continuing to play well. I like those three bets. Yeah. And that's what everything is, right? Business, life, everything you do. It's can I stack the odds in my favor? And if I stack the odds in my favor, my odds of winning in business go up. My odds of winning in investment go up. My odds of winning in sports betting go up. And that's how life is. Stack the odds. Do your research. Learn from a mentor. So, for example, I don't know anything about sports betting. So, Ty's my mentor. I'm like, Ty, teach me how to do this. What can I do to bring value to you? How can I help you? And that's how a mentor relationship works. And that, my friends, is what leads to success. And now I think we need to talk about redrafting the 2020 class, unless there's anything else. No, you know, I, I was thinking about this, okay. what we wanted to cover. I gave my top five in the last uh, 
last podcast, and because there hasn't been any games since then, I'm not going to change that what top a five. Draft class. <laughs> yeah, I still feel pretty solid about that. Yeah. So what we're going to do today is we're going to redraft the 2020 quarterbacks. Okay. Um, and and it's the top five. So the way it actually went in 2020, number one overall pick was Joe Burrow. Not a bad number one. Not a bad not number a bad one number at all. One. The number five overall pick was Tua. Tongo Vailoa. Not a bad number five. The number six right after him was Justin Herbert. Out of Oregon. He went yeah. to the Chargers. Um, and then with the number 26th pick, which I believe they may have even traded for, um, the, the Packers took Jordan Love, Utah State product. Yep. And then down in the, the second round, this is the only one of the top five that wasn't first round, uh, Jalen Hurts went number 53 overall. Wow. Okay. That was a good value pick there by the Eagles. That was. And and that sounded appropriate at that time because, you know, he had been kind of inconsistent at Alabama. He lost his job to Tua. He had that one year at Oklahoma where that is a really special system. And, um, and anything could have happened in the NFL with that guy. Yeah. yeah. All right, so, so how would you restack these? I mean – the way I would restack this, number class. one's not changing. There's no yeah. chance. I mean, he's already proven himself. He's gone to the Super Bowl. He's, he's beat clutch. beat the Mahomes three in a row. He that sure number one staying at Burrow, hands yep. down, no questions yep. asked. Um, obviously, everyone knows if you've been watching this, I'm a Dolphins fan. This yeah. is a bias you would have asked me last year, and I would have been very, very, very skeptical. But I think he finally has the right coach. He finally has he a better O-line to protect him. He finally has more weapons than Devontae Parker and a rookie. Um, so I'm actually going to keep Tua at number two. I, I think he is the second best quarterback in that crew when it comes to a true quarterback that's going to... And, and I think the only question there would be whether Hurts is competing there against Tua for number two or not, because I don't think the other two guys are there. Exactly, exactly. Now... We look at this again next year, it might be different. I want to see that Hertz isn't just RG3 2.0. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, good good which example. he might be. Good so, example. But that being said, based on production, where we're at in their careers, I am comfortable replacing Justin Herbert with Jalen Hertz. I yep. think Hertz should be the third quarterback out, which that's a big money difference when you go from 53 that's to huge. number six. So um, that was quite the steal for the that Eagles. That was. A good still, and then with the uh, the fourth one out, you definitely got to go Justin Herbert. He's been really good. He's got a big arm. Yeah, like he can throw a rope 30, 40 yards down the field, split the defenders. Uh, he moves pretty well. He seems pretty smart. This is only his second year. I mean, he's or is it his third? I guess it's third. Right? Yeah, he can't, right, cannot same year as these guys. But I mean, he's his vision is great. He's the tallest quarterback in the NFL. Was he six seven? He is. He's six yeah, seven. He's tall. He uh, had some rib issues. He's that height kind of exposed yeah. him a little bit. But, I mean, he stayed in that game, threw an absolute missile down the field oh to give him a chance. Word. Yeah. After he got his ribs jacked, he threw that ball like 50 yards on a yeah. it's It's crazy. I watched him at Oregon. I was thinking, oh, man, this I, is. I, I thought he was kind of on the, on the brink. Like, I, I wasn't totally confident. And yeah. I actually didn't. Watching him throw the ball in college, I thought, oh, he has a good arm, but I didn't think it was like elite. And now I don't know, would you? And it's a different ball in the NFL, a little bit uh, bigger. But he's got an elite arm. Yeah, he's great. I mean, I thought he was going to be Carson Wentz 2.0, but yeah. he's yeah. proven he's he's more than that. Um, and then the uh, the last take here, which I still am blown away that they did this. They had an I, MVP quarterback. They needed wide receivers. Yeah. They had a chance to win now, and they went and took uh, Jordan Love to be a backup. Dude, and how many picks did that guy throw his his uh, last year in college? He wasn't good. He was not good. And you know what it reminded me of? It kind of reminded me of Jameis Winston, where he had that that junior sophomore year, really good, won a national championship at Florida State, looked great, came back his last year in college, and threw a ton of picks, and everybody wrote it off as, oh, it was just a... You know, he was missing an offensive lineman, this, that, a bunch of excuses. And then he came to the NFL and an incredibly explosive player, great arm, but the turnovers dogged him. And you'll remember that year before Tom Brady took over at Tampa, 30 touchdowns and I want to say 30 interceptions. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be, uh, I hope I'm proven wrong with, with 
with Jordan Love here, but I, I just don't see him being much more than a backup throughout his NFL I, career. I don't either. Another guy who's got a great arm, a lot of talent, but decision-making and accuracy long-term, I that would be my question mark for him. So. Yep. Yeah, but uh, it's a big week. A lot of playoff, uh, a lot of games that are going to have serious playoff implications here. Miami is going to uh, back. They're staying in California, playing the Chargers. They're both uh, right there, wild card contenders. So that's a really, really big game with yeah. with playoff implications. Same thing, Buccaneers, 49ers. Niners. That's a big game. We'll see Boy, if the Niners, <laughs> uh, Niners quarterback played pretty well last week. Yeah, we'll see if he can sustain that. I know He's, they is he a rookie. Yes, Mr. Irrelevant. Wow, that's right. We talked about that on Tuesday. Crazy. Well, it'll be fun to see what happens there. All right, let's transition into our politics segment. Caitlyn Jenner tells Elon Musk he is public enemy number one to some very, very bad people, and she is worried about his safety. The Olympian voiced her concern in a Friday tweet. It came after Musk put out the Twitter files related to Twitter uh, stiffing a New York Post story. And the interesting thing about uh, this topic is basically uh, apparently what's happened is, and this is a business uh, insider story, and uh, that's a, a hilarious picture of Elon Musk. What is that? Like, uh, was that like armor? You see that on the on there, Johnny? Isn't that funny? Sheesh, yeah. Have you seen that before? I have I've not seen that one before. What is that? And he came out and like, It's just armor. wearing some body armor there. Maybe Way that's what he'll wear when he goes in and uh, MMA fights Putin. Apparently. I mean, there you go. <laughs> didn't, didn't they say they were going to fight or something? We're going to box? Uh, probably. Yeah, and Zelensky liked Elon at the beginning because he was using, uh, he let uh, the Ukrainian army uh, use Starlink, which was really cool of him, helping the people of Ukraine out. And, uh, and then he started asking questions like, why are we sending tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine? Do we actually know where that money's going? Is it going to the people? Is it, what's it going to? And and uh, and then Zelensky wasn't sure he liked him anymore. But, yeah, Caitlyn Jenner, very concerned. Uh, the former uh, Olympian. Wait, what was Caitlyn's first name? Bruce. 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 That's right, Bruce. Was on the uh, Wheaties. Uh, yep. Wheaties box there in the 70s as a uh, great uh, and, and, a, and a smart uh, person. Um, if you ever listen to her kind of breakdown uh, issues, uh, very smart, very logical, and, uh, and someone who is a supporter of freedom and capitalism and so forth. So anyways, here's the billionaire who acquired the social media platform on October 27, uh, justified releasing the internal documents from Twitter, the Twitter files, by saying his goal was to build trust, and uh, Matt, uh, is that uh, Tybee? What is that? Yeah, Tybee. Tybee, an independent journalist, obtained the documents. It is unclear whether Musk provided them, and posted internal communications and other details about the company's decision at the time. And basically, it was just some uh, political stories, big ones, the Hunter Biden laptop, etc., and and other stories uh, that Twitter uh, had initially held back. Uh, and really, I guess what they were doing was they were taking uh, the, the FBI was saying, "Oh, don't do that," and the you know, Biden administration was saying, "Oh, don't don't publish that, hold that back." And and apparently that's uh, what they were doing. And so now he's uh, letting this get out there. And you and I talked about uh, censorship and really how it kind of affects all of us and why it's important for us to be aware of things we need to do so that we avoid getting censored or shut down or canceled, uh, etc. So, but. In this case, she is worried that Elon Musk is going to actually be um, assassinated. And I was listening to another podcast this morning, and a uh, pretty big high-up entrepreneur guy, and there was this uh, private call, and Elon Musk was on it. He was saying, guys, I am very happy with my life. I am not committing suicide in case something happens to me. So he was literally saying that this morning. How yeah. crazy is that? I saw that. That is pretty crazy. That's... Uh so, does Caitlyn Jenner like Elon Musk? Like, does does that have anything uh, yes. to do with her opinion of Elon uh, Musk? Maybe, maybe I don't know. Well, okay. definitely they're on the same, um, you know, freedom and free speech and capitalism, and I think they both really love America, and, that, and that's that's kind of what I'm about. If you love America, and and how often do we see 
um, you know, professors or people who are talking shit about capitalism and America is so terrible and capitalism is so terrible as they sit there scrolling on their iPhone, typing on their iMac and drinking their Starbucks coffee telling us, oh, capitalism's the worst and it's a terrible system and, and you know, communism is a much, uh, much uh, better, more equal system and yet communism has never produced any type of society where people live well, even China. And that's what's, what's interesting about China is I keep hearing, oh, China is going to be the number one economy in the world by 2035. And yet, do you know what? Guess what their average per person income is in China? What would you, what would you guess? They're going to be the number one economy in the world. What does the average person make there? I mean, just by the way that was pre-framed, I would guess 45000 No. It's about seventeen to nineteen thousand dollars. Wow. Most are saying about seventeen thousand based on their GDP. So because they have one point four billion people, the U.S. only has like three hundred forty, three hundred fifty million people. Um, well, of course, with uh, like almost four times more, four times more people, eventually they'll have higher earnings overall because they have four times more people. But they have a significantly long way to go to actually get where each person on average is living a great life. Median income in the U.S. is like, uh, you know, high $60,000, $69,000 on average. And so, you know, in the U.S., people have a much better life and they have a lot more, you know, financial ability to do things, to have disposable income. And yet in the what's going to be the number one economy in the world, but there isn't the freedom there. There's a lot of control and the government really controls a lot of things, it hasn't produced a better life for the average uh, average person. And, and Russia, same thing. Their per capita, I think, is even a little bit less. And so all these countries that don't have free market systems and don't live by capitalism, their per person is very low. The average person not living a great life, but in countries like Europe and, and the United States and Australia and Japan and others, the incomes are much higher and the average person lives a much better life. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. And I, you know, getting back to this this whole public enemy, number one, it, it's pretty simple to see right through it and say it's just people that are obviously very scared of becoming exposed oh, at yeah. this point. But I still, to argue that, because that's what we do here, I, I can't imagine public enemy one being someone other than Trump at this point. So, <laughs> but but I, yeah. I'd imagine that uh, Elon Musk has the security. And did, the, uh, did you see all these people were like, ah, I'm out. I am leaving Twitter. Twitter is a terrible place now. You seen some? Oh, yeah. Apparently someone didn't like my previous yeah. comments on that, but uh, that I, I feel differently. I would take any opportunity I had to work with Elon Musk and work oh, a little bit too. harder and actually go into the office. That's me all right. Too. The opportunity to learn from a guy like that, a guy who will have entrepreneur opportunities there, would be pretty remarkable. All right, guys, let's transition into our family topic. Um, this is an article that uh, I saved it a while ago, and I thought it was kind of cool because... When you're an entrepreneur, like you want to, you hope someday that maybe your children want to become entrepreneurs or business owners or side, you hope that they have kind of that desire to, to do more, to be more, but you can't really force them. All you can do is kind of just, you know, hopefully inspire them by example. But this article was uh, kind of fascinating. And uh, basically this uh, guy or gal, who is the name here? Margot looks like a fantastic lady. Talked to 70 parents who raised highly successful kids and basically said out of all these 70 parents, these were kind of the four common rules that these parents um, created for their children or how they, they raised them. And number one, it said give kids extreme independence. And, and so, for example, it says, Susan and Anna Wojcik, I can't say their last name, are two incredibly accomplished sisters. Susan's uh, Google's first marketing manager became its CEO in 2014 and co-founded 23andMe. 
And um, when I talked with their mom, Esther, it was clear that her girls grew up knowing she trusted them to behave responsibly. The girls were given freedom that some parents, especially today, would, would balk at. I gave my children the opportunity to be very independent early. I had three children and four years and no help, so I had to put them to work out of necessity. And her kids loved that sense of freedom. I think that it gave them a lot of confidence. And I would put my five-year-old daughter on a plane alone with a name tag around her neck to visit her grandmother in Los Angeles. And so... You know, what do you think about that first rule? Give kids extreme independence. I think it's extremely important. Um, I, I think that you need to allow your kids to find ways to be innovative, to figure out how to think, to figure out how to communicate. And they're never going to do that if they're just spoon-fed and handheld throughout their whole life. Um, independence is, is when you grow. It's when you figure out who you are. It's when you figure out how you're going to get through hard things. And, you know, thankfully, I... I think there is a big difference, though, between giving your kids independence and just flat out neglecting them. Oh, and you need to, yeah. to draw that line. Let your kids know you are there for them. You do love them. You will take care of them. But they need to figure out some things on their own as well. Exactly. So some examples I can think of. And, you know, I've, I've definitely made a lot of mistakes as a, as, a, as a dad of five kids. But some things that uh, build independence that I've tried to teach my kids about is, you know, money, how much things cost. I will, I'll send them into the grocery store by themselves at a young age, seven, eight years old. Here's the card. We need this, this, and this, and this. Make sure you choose wisely. Check out, and I'll have them do that. Or I'll have them, you know, get the gas. Oh, wow, gas is pretty expensive, and here's how you fill up the car. Or I'll have them, you know, if they're starting a side hustle, if they're, I try to have them all. Uh, Lucas, when he was, I want to say 12 years old, we started the uh, curb painting business where you paint the numbers on. I've talked about that before. Uh, Lucas is now uh, 19 years old. Uh, luckily, he had a really deep voice. We put him on the phones, I think, at age 15 or 16. And, uh, and so making him independent, if you want something, I th I'd say this is probably one of the biggest things. Even, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner. Oh, I want to provide my children a better life. We all want to do that. But the, the big issue is, and I see this in a lot of households, oh, I want something, and the parent just goes and buys it for them. And I hear my kids, my wife hears my kids say, I want something. Oh, cool. What are you going to do to earn income to pay for it yourself? And that's what we, and so we'll encourage them to start little side hustle businesses, Go shovel someone's walk, go mow someone's lawn, go do something where you deliver value to someone and you earn it and something magical will happen when you do that. And uh, even, even Shaq, I think, had this, oh no, it wasn't Shaq, it was Michael Strahan. So Michael Strahan grew up with a military father and traveled all over and he wanted this really cool bike when he was like eight or nine years old. And his dad could have bought it for him. He, he made decent money in the military. And he looked at him like, cool, what are you going to do to earn and make that money? And and he went out and he did side hustles and he did things. And he earned enough money to buy that bike. And he felt like that was the most important first thing in his life that led him to learn how to work hard, to find solutions, and ultimately led him to be, become a Hall of Fame football player. And looking at what he's done after football is even more impressive, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I know this is kind of... An interesting one. I, my son's one, so obviously there's not a lot of independence he can have quite yet. Um, but I was thinking back on, on my childhood, and one thing that my father did, which at the time was awful, it scared the crap out of me, but he would let us get lost, quote, lost yeah. at the ski resort. Oh, wow. um, granted, telling the story back to me, he just was back far enough to where yeah. he could see me. But as far as I was concerned, I, I was lost at a ski resort. But we had always rehearsed on our way up there, hey, if you get lost, this is the color of coat that you look for. This is what you say. We had rehearsed it. And so he taught me how to communicate and use people, other people, to get out of situations. And I so like I remember, it's one of my oldest memories. It's kind of weird, but I remember that feeling of just being terrified. I'm lost. But then my, my independence training kicked in and said, okay. I've got this. I need to find the red jacket with the, the white stripes on it. I need to tell them, hey, I'm lost. Here's my dad's name. Um, and then trust that they would take care of me from there. And we went through the process. And I remember once I told them, the second I said, hey, I'm lost. Here's my name. Here's my dad's name. My dad comes skiing down and, and asks the person, hey, did he say this? And 
it was like oh that's, that's yeah cool. yeah but like it's that. understanding how to very how to communicate is, is very important all right the number two rule says actively nurture compassion uh talks about a parent who made sure their kids were uh, donating uh, clothes and books and helping uh, kids who are less fortunate. That's awesome. Teaching them to think Huge. about others instead of themselves. We got Sub for Santa going on. Can you have your kids, you know, help out with uh, choosing some gifts and giving back to a family in need right now? That's a big opportunity. Number three, it says welcome failure early and often. That's where you think about helicopter parents who jump in the way before their kid, you know, can do something, can make a mistake. And that's where the growth and the learning happens is when they do make the mistake and letting them fail and learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I made that mistake when Jack was six months old. I decided we were going to put this helmet on him 24-7 because I was so scared. But then he never learned to fall. He never learned that if he crawls too close to this, he bumps his head oh, and he gets yeah. hurt. It's yeah. I mean, it's little things like that. You do, you have to let your kids fail and, and have that emotion of, of failure. And that's what happens. Like some kids never fail and they become adults because their parents removed all the obstacles by the time they actually, you know, get into adulthood and they deal with real failure. They don't know how to respond to it. And that's what's so great about letting them go through mistakes. You know, uh, I think back to Coach Phil Jackson when his team was going through a tough time. A lot of coaches oh, immediately call timeout and, and uh, regroup, but he would let them play through it to kind of learn to find those solutions and work through that adversity. Exactly. I think we need to teach our kids once they fail, here's what you do. Yes. Right? They, but if you don't yes. let them fail, you can never teach them how to build it back up. And it's not to say you shouldn't be teaching them, here's how you respond to adversity. We pivot, and, and we don't worry about the failure. It's a learning thing. It's not a permanent thing. I think that's the big problem. People think, oh, I failed, it's permanent. No, it's a very temporary thing that we use to learn from and pivot and then go towards that solution. And that's what's uh, great when people fail. You think back, boy, think back to Michael Jordan, right? He gets cut from the uh, the team as a sophomore, has to go work his butt off. His dad and his older brother are talking crap to him, and then he comes back, makes the team, and we, we know what happens in the rest of the story. But if he hadn't learned how to go through that adversity, he wouldn't have been able to go through the adversity, getting his butt kicked by the D Detroit uh, uh, Pistons in the late 80s and eventually becoming a champion. Last is let go of control and lead by following. Kids need time to discover their past many experience periods when it's unclear where they're going, but parents' kids who grow up to become entrepreneurs are more likely to see their kids as exploring. And I think that's super important because what happens in today's environment is kids will do nothing if you let them. And so you have to put them in different sports. You have to put them in different activities. You have to actively encourage them to do a little side hustle business, to go make money mowing lawns or curb painting, whatever it is that uh, is an opportunity. If you don't encourage them, they'll be on these devices all day and it will be very difficult for them to succeed. So you that's where you have to be an active parent. You have to have standards of excellence, values and principles you teach them and uh, and then and then let them go explore. Once they're exploring, you can't say, no, I want you to become an attorney like me, or I want you to do this like this. No, as long as they're exploring and taking action towards something, then that's generally positive. I think it's important that you take you also take interest as a parent. Like, yes. I remember my side hustle as a 16-year-old. I wanted to aerate lawns, but that's an aerator, I didn't want to go rent them all the time. I wanted to buy one, and yeah. at that point, it was like, 600 bucks. So I go to my dad, can I borrow 600 bucks? Why? I want to start an aeration business. Well, you need to go earn the money to start the business. So he gave me a lot of jobs while he was doing it. He doesn't care about an aeration company, but starts asking me about how I'm going to do my marketing, how I'm going to I keep like track that. of my finances. He's asking all these questions to get me engaged and excited and get me thinking. And I think it, that's very important as a parent, even if we don't give a rats about what they're doing, yes. we ask questions and we engage ourselves. No, and, th and that helps them to make good decisions. Uh, my son wanted to graduate from his curb painting business to get this power washer and start power washing driveways where he could make more. And same thing, needed several hundred dollars. And I said, I need a budget. I need to know how you're going to generate sales. I want you to get pre-sales. I made him jump through all these hoops before 
you know, uh, helping him, you know, earn the money or even uh, do some kind of business loan to him that he's going to have to pay back with interest. And, and that's, that's super important, being engaged and caring about what they're doing on a daily basis. And it's not always like, oh, you need hours and hours every day. Sometimes it's just spending a few minutes with them. When you pick them up from soccer, you, you have a few minutes there, just you and, and, and spending one-on-one time with each kid. Is, is super important is what I've found. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, our very last topic here, and this is the complete guide to financial freedom. This is actually uh, six steps to financial freedom. This is on Tony Robbins' website. We love Tony. Uh, you and I were just uh, uh, at an event a few feet away from him when he was uh, speaking to us when we were in Orlando uh, at the uh, ClickFunnels event. And uh, it's interesting, he, he gives these six steps and he says there's kind of this difference between uh, financial independence and financial freedom. And uh, it says one financial freedom definition is having the monetary stability to do what you want in life without having to worry about your bank account. And so that one I think he kind of defined as independence, but the freedom, financial freedom, is being able to take that amazing trip to Tahiti without worrying about not coming into the office. It's buying the house that your family dreams of and still having the funds to pursue your other interests. Success is doing what you want, when you want, where you want, with whom you want, as much as you want. And then he's got uh, those six steps, if you want to break those down for us. Yeah, number one, we've got to determine our number. Right. And, and that's that's different for everyone. I have friends that say, Ty, I'm, I want to be a billionaire. And I tell them I do not want to be a billionaire. I don't want everything that comes along with that. Um, I'd be fine with 50 to 100 million. Right. So to determine that number would be number one. Yep. Number two, address limiting beliefs about money. Do you believe that money is the root of all evil or is it just, you know, um, do you believe that uh, people who make a lot of money are bad, evil people? If you have those types of limiting beliefs, it's going to be very difficult uh, to become financially free. Yeah, amen. Step three is uh, get a handle on your finances. So what I would say is go to myfigures.com and create your account and get your finances right. Absolutely. Get the spending, understand where it's going, start tracking. Do you even know what your net worth is? Is it positive? Are you winning the game of money, a game of life? If you don't know that, if you don't know if you have multiple streams of income, how are your you know, investments doing, real estate, most people don't even check those things. You should have a weekly money date, and that uh, My Figures app will certainly help. Step four, create a short-term strategy for building savings. Sometimes this is the side hustle. Sometimes this is finding a way as an employee to company, become an entrepreneur and start a new project that can make money for the company that you can get a piece of. Or other times it's the actual side hustle business you start on the side. Maybe you learn how to do business uh, funding. Maybe you learn how to do an Amazon store. Maybe you learn how to uh, invest in, in real estate with creative finance without actually buying the property. There's so many opportunities. You just need to make a decision and go all in with it. And if you can do that, you can start building up savings that's the next step that Tony talks about. Amen. Yeah, or cancel subscription, right? Find a way to, yeah, to start, say. Start cutting off the <laughs> stuff where you're flushing money because everybody's flushing it. Number five is uh, create the machine. Yeah, and this was uh, an interesting one here. And I think here he was, let's see if we can pull that one up. That doesn't make much sense. All right, create the machine. Uh, start by creating a money-making machine. You can do this by taking advantage of the power of compound interest. Uh, divide your money into three imaginary buckets, security, risk, growth, and dreams. So he says, start allocating. All right, I have money going towards an emergency. I have money going towards my investments, maybe down payments for properties or to invest in my side hustle business or my actual business. And then other ones where, hey, I've got money going towards, you know, I want to take uh, the whole family to Orlando to a great Disney World trip or I want to take the family on a cruise in the Caribbean, whatever it is. You know, start mapping those things out. All right. And then the, the last one here, Leo, you want to take number six? Evaluate and make changes is the last one. That's number six. So evaluate and make changes. That's because things change, right? Uh, you have to look at, you know, what, what was true two years ago with uh, an investment might not be true today. Or what was true in my business two years ago might change. And so what's true in your in your financial life will change. Your kids will get older. All of a sudden, you know, every kid 
um, has a cell phone, you're probably going to have to get your child a cell phone. That's going to be literally an additional four or $500 a year that you probably didn't know was going to be added to your budget. When your kid gets old enough to drive, oh boy, you're going to have to pay car insurance. My car insurance literally tripled, if you can believe that. And Luca has never gotten any accidents. He's been a great driver, but it legitimately tripled just because he was a 16-year-old male being added onto my car insurance. So you have to be aware of these things as they come up. Uh, but most importantly, you know, it's it's mapping out, you know, expenses, uh, but then it's really focusing on income. A lot of people will, you know, be all about um, cutting off that cup of coffee they get every day. And that's not going to move the needle enough. That can help a little bit. But you've got to ultimately make more money and have more streams of income to win this money game. So that uh, that's it. The six steps uh, towards financial freedom shared by our friend Tony Robbins. Our last take action item is plan on attending the our free 2023 business plan workshop on December 21st at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We're going to have a template for you guys to download. We're going to map out how to create a business plan that you actually follow, that you're still following and working on you know, in February, March, April, May, and June versus throwing it away after one month and forgetting about it. All right, guys, that was episode five of the Go Figure podcast. Good times. Any final thoughts, Ty? Find that teaser. We, we laid it out there for you. Go, go, go take that teaser. Find that teaser. But remember, remember, he said budget it, right? Make sure you go through your budget and understand this is money that I may not get back. But like anything else, you get to know it, put the odds in your favor. The odds go up that you're going to win, and that's the same in business, life, investing, finance, and sports. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure podcast.